For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, myself, Tommy Dreamer, and Bully Ray talk all AEW Dynamite. We got to get into Sting. And at 64 years old, my God, Sting is showing why he's legend and crazy. We get into that. Also, we get into Claudio, Moxley, Renee, oh my God, and Eddie Kingston. All that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. Tommy, a lot to get into today, especially with Dynamite. And I got to be honest, I'm pretty excited about today's show because probably just like the Busted Open Nation, I have a lot of questions about what I saw last night. And it's really... Not questions for anybody else but the two of you because you guys are the legends. You guys are the performers. You guys are the pro wrestlers. And, like, who better to talk to than Tommy Dreamer and Bully Ray? And I want to start off with another legend, and that is Hall of Famer Sting. And, Tommy, a lot of people were talking after Dynamite last night, especially after that main event, about Sting. Sting is 64 years old, Tommy, but you would never know it by watching what that man can still do and will do. Case in point, what we saw in the main event of Dynamite last night. Agreed. So what is the question? Well, the question is somebody that's 64, is it good for somebody like that to be jumping off ladders and landing on tables? Oof. Um, I'm... I say, why not? I mean, number one, I would view that kind of sort of like uh, ageism. If you're feeling good enough, might as well go out there and do it. Um, I'll look at Terry Funk and Terry Funk's career. Uh, the things that he did doing moonsaults to the floor, no pads, uh, nobody holding ladders for him uh, and just reckless abandon. Um, listen, man, stuff happens. Uh, how he undershot last night was because it looked like it was going to be a direct hit. Uh, he did hit the table. Lucky he didn't tear his quad because that's kind of where it looked like he hit it. Don't know if I would have went to the instant replay on that, but I mean, it's still a brutal hit. It's also the, the, cha- the, the risk that everybody takes, whether they're 65 or whether they're 25. And, you know, it's his personal choice. If he feels he can do it, he can do it. And like you said, he can still do in the ring. Um, A lot of people who I guess were negative towards it, he got back up and went back into the ring and did a whole lot more rest in the match. So, yes, accidents happen. 
if it was reverse and uh, if Sammy was the one who put him through the table that way, would you say the same about Sammy? So no. I kind of look at it that way. Yeah. Dave, who's your favorite wrestler of all time? Ric Flair. Did Ric Flair suffer such a massive, uh, I think he had a heart attack that he was on his deathbed and basically they did not think he was going to pull through. That's true. A couple of years later, he's feeling good again. And at 70, what, 72 years old, wrestles a tag match where he's tagging with uh, Andrade against Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. Did Ric Flair belong in a wrestling ring? Uh, some will question no. Some would say yes. I mean, I guess it it depends. But I think, you know, but he did it, and people paid to see it, and, and, and people bought the pay-per-view. This is an individual thing amongst wrestlers. If Sting felt good enough to go out there and do what he did last night, it's all on him. Nobody in AEW from the top of the list of Tony Khan to the bottom of the list, Bob, the ring guy, nobody forced Sting to do that spot last night. It might have been suggested in which Sting can say yes or no, or Sting could have suggested it. As we always talk about, Godfather 2, this is the business we have chosen. And I actually spoke about this last night on After Dark. A caller called in about it, and I gave the same exact quote. We this live is and the we... business we've chosen. Thank you very much. Uh, we live in, quote unquote, die by the decisions we make out there in that wrestling ring. Um, it could have been done more properly. The execution of what Sting did was not done correctly. If I was there, I would have given him some different advice on how to dive off those ladders onto the two tables. You never want to shoot for the first table. You want to shoot for the second table. Sammy should have been rolled out onto the second table. And to be quite honest, it's not a two-table spot. It's a one-table spot. If you saw the way Sting landed on the one table, he landed perfectly across Sammy. But then having the table on the other side, the second table, is what Sting's chin wound up hitting on the way down, thus loosening a tooth or breaking a tooth or having him bite his tongue or the inside of his mouth. So it's a one-table spot. They probably put two there to you know, maybe break the fall a little bit more safety, but in trying to be ultra safe, you actually made the spot more dangerous and you will not get any of this on any other wrestling show on the planet. Trust me. It's a one table spot. Go ahead, Tommy. No, you are correct. You also, if you would have put the table closer, it's easier instead of, he jumped out like he was diving into a pool, but you're not on a diving board or you're not on a solid surface. No matter how many people are holding the ladder, it's an unsteady surface because it's on a ring and the ring will shake. So your, your jumping point is going to move. If you watch like when new Jack would do his dives, we didn't practice that before. Um, it just kind of like, yeah, I could do it. And once you're up there, that's when he would like 
estimate, do I got to back up? Do I got to go for a running start? Um, and in his world, he was just like, I know if, if I go up there cold, I'll, I won't do it. But if I go up there during the people, I will definitely do it. Same thing with me when I would go, I would go up there like, all right, you know, throw me off of this thing. You know, Taz suplex me off the Eagle's nest and I'll eat the, I'll eat the table. I kind of was one of the first to put the two tables side by side. And that was, I never, I'll for, never forget. I went through one and the one that was stacked, my leg hit it and the one next to it. And people are doing like, oh, for, for the safety reasons. But for your point, that was, if you move the table closer, it's an up to a down as opposed to springing forward. And you're, you're, you're jumping off of a, a wobbly surface if you're in your house and you put a a stool in your living room and go to dive on your couch from a stool it's going to kick out behind you now put it on i don't know an unsteady surface or a bouncy surface it's not going to be the same so these are things and i've even told uh, a lot of like where table breaks or table injuries happen is because of the mats if you are going without speed or force, like sometimes when you got to drive people through, the mats are absorbing the blow because the table's going down into the mats. And that's why sometimes they're they're not, uh, we would say, are ta the tables, if that happened in ECW back in the day, they'd be like, oh, the table wasn't working with me tonight. And these are the reasons why. Um, I'm glad he is okay um, because it could have been, I mean, the worst case scenario, he would have just kind of like, like a, a an old school baseball uh, slide headfirst into you know the floor, but s listen, scary. Yes, everything we could do. S somebody could take you down on a side headlock takedown, drive your head slash neck into the canvas, and you're never going to get up. Because I've also seen people's technique with side headlock takedowns, and it's not not the proper technique for taking somebody down. Um, it is not anybody in AEW's responsibility, just like Bully said. It's all on Sting. I love Sting. I salute Sting because I don't know if at 64 years old, I'd physically be able to. And I know for me, I would love to be doing what Sting does. Honestly, I would love it. And the fact that he's able, like, I mean, we I've seen wrestlers his age barely able to walk, and yet he's out there still performing. Uh, to a, such a high degree and the match was enjoyable and even after that where you had concern he went back in and finished the match he wasn't unconscious he because we were talking about that with Mick Foley with all the safety protocols the referee went checked on him um, referees put on gloves it's it, hey it happens and if the spot was reversed you you should be saying the same thing like in the sense you wouldn't be saying well Sammy shouldn't do this because he's young and it's kind of like I view it the same way. You, well, Sting shouldn't do this because he's old. Sting's doing it because he loves the industry. Does Sting need to do this? No. Sting does it because he loves it. He really does. It, it, it's uh, honestly like we all, does Bully Ray need to go to the ECW arena to wrestle? No. Do I need to go to Omaha, Nebraska on Saturday to wrestle? No. We do it because we love it. Yes, we get paid to do it. I get paid a shit ton of money to do it. But we also do it. <laughs> because we love it.
<laughs> yeah, but but you know, to your but to your point before bully, that's why when I started the show this morning saying I have a question and who better to ask than you bully Ray and you Tommy Dreamer because listen, everybody's going to have opinion, everybody's going to give their advice, everybody's going to give their two cents. But when talking about something about you know, if I have an ailment or I'm not feeling well, am I going to Google it or am I going to go to a doctor? I'm going to go to an expert. I'm going to go to the doctor to find out what's wrong with me. When talking about something like what Sting did last night, it's better to ask a Tommy Dreamer and a Bully Ray exactly what took place in that main event on Dynamite. Half of these people on social media think they're the experts. That's the problem. Whether they're dirt sheet guys or fans who read dirt sheets, they think they know better. They think that because they've watched wrestling or they read some stuff that they know what's going on. What I explained to you today about it being a one table bump and how things go wrong when you put two tables up and how if you are going to have two tables set up, you should be on the second table. Because if you go long, you still put the guy through the table. And there's no other table to bust your jaw open or your lip open. So much for that. Uh, one other thing. It also, because I've done it, and I know he's done it a lot more than me, the person laying on the table. It's a scary thing. And you also know at some point you're going to get hit. Um, and it's the same risk. Do you know how many times I have been like laid on a table and something happened and that table exploded? And when even when you're tucking your chin – Either the table kicks back and hits you in the head or when we were doing it, we're doing it on concrete and you're it's physics. I'm not a physics major, but it's speed, speed, height, weight, all hitting you at a certain moment. And whether you feel it in your ribs, whether you feel it, I mean, that would have been in core, more of his legs groin area how he would have hit it if it would have hit it perfect. And then you're coming to a sudden stop, even though you're not that, but you're that person's landing pad. So like I said, now we're adding, well, we're, I'm going to jump into like a pool. There is no water, but the person I'm jiving on is also laying on a table. And whether, you know, I mean, the way he was going to those tables with the cords that hold them together if he would hit it, be you know, cor I don't want to say correctly, but that table could have, you're not going to break the plastic. And that plastic as is, as razor sharp. You know how many, I mean, underneath the table, forget about the metal, all that stuff, but that wiring around it, you know how many times you get cut from that as well? It, it is, again, very, very high risk. You have screws under this. These are not, you know, these are tables that people buy at Office Max. This is former UFC champion Chris Weidman. Do you want to feel what it's like to get in the octagon with me? Right now, we are bringing the hardest hitting MMA talk on the planet to your podcast feeds with Won't Back Down, a Sirius XM podcast. Every Monday, I'm speaking my mind and taking you inside combat sports like no one else. Every tap, every snap, and whatever else is on my mind. Download Won't Back Down right now on Sirius XM, Stitcher, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Won't Back Down. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. 
Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Let's get into like what happened backstage with Moxley. And Bully, you know, you always preach about realism when it comes to pro wrestling. There was a lot of realism surrounding Moxley last night on Dynamite. A uh, very relatable story and direction that AEW is heading into right now with Mox Kingston and now Renee. Uh, I enjoyed, like I said, there was a story within a story last night during the Moxley Ishi match. And that story was Claudio staring daggers at Eddie Kingston. I loved it. It's like 10 minutes worth of Claudio just not taking his eyes off of Eddie. And Eddie has a major problem with Claudio. Thus, Eddie has a major problem with Mox because now Mox is friends and teammates with Claudio in the BCC. We see them get into an argument post-match. Eddie's saying, good for you. You won the match without any help. I'm proud of you. I'm still pissed off at you, but you're still my friend and I like the way you won the match. You get the shove. From Moxley on Kingston, we get to jaw jacking, we get the banter, and then we get to the backstage area where they're in a giant argument, and now Renee steps in. Renee's trying to quiet these guys down. She's trying to be the voice of reason. Um, Moxley walks away. Renee turns around and tells Eddie, you better fix this, and then follows her husband. I think in some way, shape, or form, we can all relate to this when it comes to a squabble within the family. No doubt. I think, I think many people can relate to this when it comes to internal strife amongst family and friends. And I'm hoping that this story keeps getting deeper and deeper as a, 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 you know, a, la, a bloodline, because this is very much about family and friendship also. And I hope we get to see Renee be a voice of reason, not only to Eddie, but her husband. See, calling Eddie out in front of everybody is totally fine. She's not going to call her husband out, but maybe we get that face-to-face with the husband. Or maybe we do get it in front of people in which Renee tells Mox, listen, I'm your wife and I got your back until death do us part and all those other things that we said to each other when we took our vows But you know damn well that Eddie's got a point. You and Eddie have been friends far longer than you and Claudio. And you know that Eddie hates Claudio. So why have you turned your back on your friend? Boom. There's your story. I I thought it was very, very interesting that, like like you said, hey, in a public place, she's not going to call out her husband. Uh, but, But she called out Kingston. Like, you need to fix this. She said that to Eddie. You know, you would think, or a lot of people would think, it would be the other way around. It's almost like, in Renee's eyes, at least the way I saw it, was like, that, you know what? She probably has an easier time saying this to Eddie Kingston than her own husband. Like, more like that, to me, like, Eddie Kingston's more of a reasonable man than Moxley is. Like, hey, this is a reasonable argument. I know how hard-headed my husband could be, so I actually have to go to Kingston to say, hey, you need to fix this, because I know 
you can fix this where where John probably in her eyes, though she's not going to say it, is wrong to your point in this situation. Kingston show showed how reasonable he was last night. We saw the BCC at ringside potentially getting ready to get involved in the match. Here comes Eddie Kingston. He neutralizes the BCC on the floor. Mox still goes over, and Eddie didn't play it off like he was mad. He was clapping. He's like, good for you, pal. You went over clean, and you didn't need any help. Thus him being reasonable about the situation. So we have Mox and Eddie. We have Eddie and Claudio. And now we have Renee involved. Characters that we're all very much into. You know how I feel about Eddie Kingston. Yep. I've gone on record on the show on Monday with Mark to basically say it out loud, Tony Khan. Open your eyes and your ears a little bit more to Eddie Kingston because he is your storyteller. He is your baby face that people can get behind. And he doesn't need a world championship to do it. As a matter of fact, I said that Eddie Kingston should never have a world championship around his waist. That's the, that's the sign of whether or not you're really over with a fan base when you don't need a championship. I get tweets from people. Oh, don't you think it's Eddie's time to be champion bully? Nope. I never want to see Eddie Kingston with a championship. I want to see him involved in deep-rooted personal storylines. Yeah, maybe one day you want to pay something off and give him a little bit of a run at a championship. But what Eddie Kingston really, really needs, other than this story, is a heel that can breathe down his neck. There are two heels out there that I think can get the job done. One would be Christian, especially on the microphone. And the other would be Samoa Joe. And if I truly had my pick, if I had the pencil, I would give the edge to Joe. Because Joe can talk the talk, but also walk the walk. I'm not sure of Christian's ability to wrestle right now. Tommy, do you know if Christian can actually wrestle wrestle right now? I believe so. Okay. But if he can, he's not, he's not the intimidating presence that Joe is. Because Joe can get right up in Eddie's face and present a real, credible, physical threat. Christian can't do that. Because Eddie would look at Christian and go, listen, you dweeb, I'll smack you in the face and get out of my ring. With Joe, you can't do that. You say that to Joe, Joe's going to take another step forward. Well, let me ask you something, Bully. What, What about the two players that we have in play right now? And that's Moxley and Claudio. Like... Can Eddie get to that next level? Like you said, like, you know, I, I said it on social media last night that I think Eddie Kingston could be the face of AEW. And again, you don't need to do that with a championship, not in AEW right now, because I think they need somebody that the fans are emotionally connected with. They need somebody to hate and they need somebody to love. We don't see that a lot in AEW where you have the love hate dynamic, somebody, a wrestler you really love and a wrestler you really hate. You can have that with Eddie Kingston, but can you do it with the players in place? Can you do that with either a Claudio or a John Moxley? Logic says yes. 
I don't know why to me it feels better with a Christian or a Samoa Joe. But then you See, lose there's not, the realism there's... story, though. That's the only thing that I because I love the realism story that they're playing out right now. I love the Renee dynamic. Like I feel bully like we're on the cusp of something right now with this story, but somebody's got to be hated here. Somebody's got to be the scumbag, right? Do you hate Moxley? No, I don't. What about Claudio? No. There you go. Do you hate Christian? Yes. And I can't say do you hate Joe, but there hasn't been enough steam behind Joe for Joe to be hated. But you have something here, but that's my question. Can you do something with this story in place? Because now you're involving a spouse. Now you're involving a spouse that can get in between Eddie Kingston and John Moxley. Like, somebody's got to be the bad guy here. Is it Moxley or is it Claude? I mean, the story can dictate that if they dive in deep. Tommy, what do you think? Uh, here, here's a few things. I agree with your assessment. Number one, I thought last night the star of the entire segment was Renee. And her final line was the biggest. When you say you're involving the spouse, we've all known that John Moxley is married to Renee. We know it through social media, but on television, they have not done anything together like that. They've been involved in angles where a wrestler has said something about John. I believe it was MJF. <clears throat> and the way she sells things, the way she gets things over. Uh, yes, key part. But you know what? In real life, David, I'm sure Violetta knows everything that's going on with you, good or bad. Oh, man, Bully and Tommy got into an argument on the show today. It was uncomfortable. You have been part of an uncomfortable situation with me and Bully to the point where we get called to the, you know, serious XM offices and we're like, hey, you guys got to bury your stuff on the air. You, whatever you're doing in the impact world is, is great, but we can't have that carry over. Cool. No problem. Um, you have been put in the in the air in the middle of it on television as well. You have seen it from both sides. Um, when with this story to have that total antagonist, can I ask you this? And, and I asked Bully this too, because they mentioned it. Why does Eddie Kingston hate Claudio so much? Well, yeah, th- I was just going to get into that. At some point, they got to dive into that because Tony he Schiavone- said because of some Chikara BS. Yeah, they said but, it last night. So this goes back, and if I'm a I'm a new fan, I don't know what this Chikara BS is. Yes, um, exactly. You have a lot of layers to this story. Bully and I's television relationship has gone back through when ECW, but then there's other layers to the story from Busted Open, but through all stuff that we have spoken about. There was a backstory with me and Raven about Summer Camp and Beulah, all this stuff. They have the foundation for greatness and it's not ready or time to debut whoever, I don't want to say debut, who is going to be the antagonist. I'm expecting it to be Moxley or Claudio has to do something. Claudio go. And if Moxley steps in and be like, what the hell are you doing? And Eddie starts to rise to his feet and then Moxley rips his head off. Then you have a split you have so many layers to this and i would actually keep renee out of it to make her special if you think about gordon Soli, roddy piper once that happened gordon was back to being the walter cronkite but um 
Piper went and fought the business because she is that special. When Bully and I talk about referees holding ladders, well, because a referee's job, it's not about personal hatred towards referees. And I get, yes, there's this safety factor, all these things, but a referee's job is to be impartial, especially last night. It, it was a big thing for me, but I told you, I've just let it go. If it was my company, I would not let it go. And when me and Bully in that same hardcore war, her, we, the spot was designed. Bullies yelling at all the referees, blah, 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 blah. And it was referees united for all this. And they attack Bully, blah, 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 blah. And then as I go to climb that ladder, I look at the referees, come on, hold the ladders. And everyone's like, hooray. Because in that moment, we gave them the, the right and the justification to be impartial towards somebody because he pushed them. He was spitting on him. He was cursing at him. What I'm saying is I'm, we personally made that special. We had a long buildup to all of that. And in one specific moment, we gave all the referees united and a shine. Same with Renee. If Renee, you're going to make her a pivotal part of this, then she's going to lose that backstage role, which she's amazing and is the glue at times that holds that show. Dave, do you remember Milwaukee, the mega power split? What happened to Miss Elizabeth? The only time we ever saw her get bumped, Randy Savage friggin' almost killed her. And it's set up for the mega powers. And, but how many times did Elizabeth bump after that? Never. There you go. But and it was I'm not a looking. No, I know that. But there were so many levels to that story. And even after that key moment where Savage is left uh, alone and Hulk carries her back. And Savage, in the moment of looking at it, sees Hulk taking his girl. You ask a lot of Randy Savage fans, Hulk Hogan was wrong. You ask a lot of Hulkamaniacs, Savage was wrong. But at the end of the day, when Savage went ballistic and, you, and, and she's pleading with him, Randy, stop, blah, 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 blah. You really then knew who was the bad guy because you was could Randy. do you could do something like this here. I know it sounds yes. crazy because you're talking about one of the greatest stories of all time in pro wrestling. But that's why I say you but, have the but, foundation. But look at, look at Moxley last night. He's fucking headbutting the guy until he gets busted open. All right, the guy's a little unhinged. I think that's his character. That's his personality. So what do you think John Moxley's going to do when he finds out that Renee, his wife, is talking to Eddie Kingston behind his back? That that comment with that last night was behind Moxley's back. She's like, she went to kicks, and you need to, you need to fix this. If I'm Moxley and I see that, I'm like, why are you telling him he needs to fix this? What are you talking about? This is between you and I. What are you What are you getting in? Why are you getting in the middle of this for? Here's where I disagree with Tommy. I think Renee is so integral, intricate, or integral to this story that I think she brings more value to the company being a character in the story than a backstage interviewer. She can still be the backstage interviewer. As a matter of fact, here's something that happened last night where they did not connect the dots. Go ahead. After the backstage with Max, with Mox and Eddie, Renee was visibly distraught, angry, something, right? Yes. In a tiff. 20 minutes later, she interviews Jericho and she's got a smile on her face. I would have loved to have seen them come up on that shot 
with Renee still a little like disheveled, flustered, you know, uh, and her coming up on the shot and then, you know, and her going, um, backstage uh, with um, Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho and Jericho was like looking at her like what the hell is your problem and she apologized you know I'm I'm sorry I'm I'm sorry Chris just I have a lot of things going on in my mind tonight you got a big match blah 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 thing and it snaps her right back into character I would have liked to have seen them connect that dot of frustration moving forward they need to do that with her if she is embroiled in the storyline it has to start to affect her backstage responsibilities thus will make the storyline stronger because here's Renee Paquette who's a master backstage with that microphone does such a great job her personal life with her husband and her husband's best friend is starting to affect her job hell imagine if Tony has to sit her down and go Renee I love you but you're not doing your job well anymore. Look at all these little storyline points that can start to affect Renee. And Renee keeps yelling and screaming at Eddie. And when Eddie's like, you know damn well I'm right and your husband's wrong. And she turns around and goes, yeah, but that is my husband. And I said, I do for a reason. They have a bunch of really strong puzzle pieces right now to put this puzzle together. They have a good story. They have a good backstory. They have good characters. Now let's see how they put it together. We can all agree that the WWE has done a phenomenal job with the story of the bloodline. We're all talking about how it's the best story in 20 years, or or maybe one of the best stories of all time. We're having these conversations. Awesome. I can, uh, I'm telling you right now, and I see it already, just with the characters involved Mox, Renee, Eddie, Claudio. They have four corners right there and a foundation in which they can build a big, beautiful house or story on. Let's see if they're able to do it. Let's see if they're able to take advantage of it. Busted Open is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Catch the full three hours of Busted Open Monday through Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation, channel 156. Go to SiriusXM.com backslash Busted Open Trial to start your free trial today. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.